You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. <laughs> Happy Easter, everyone. I remember eight years ago when our church first had Easter, uh, we promoted a ton. We were ready We were ready to go. We thought it was going to be like this big thing that was going to happen at our church our first year. And so we show up Sunday morning at like 7.30 to the roulette to get ready. And as we show up, there is a full-on construction site that is blocking the door of the roulette to get in, like blocking the entrance. And not only that, there was a backhoe, like just a backhoe sitting like half on the sidewalk and half in the street. It was, it was like the person driving the backhoe, like was like mid work and then they were like you know what i'm done and then just got up and like walked away it was the weirdest thing so we were like okay what are we gonna do and so like we set up fencing around this backhoe and like cleared the area so people could get in on easter sunday we were all concerned we get in everything's okay we start music and the guitarist who's still someone who i love dearly has a bad amp for some reason and so every time he plays the guitar every time he strums a chord it sounds like an animal is dying. Like, it's awful. It's like the worst thing. And it got to the point where, like, mid-song, he had to put down his guitar, and he just sat down. Like, there was nothing else he could do. And I remember thinking to myself, like, this is it. Like, church is over. Like, we have not done well today. It's bad. Like, it's never going to be good again. And who are we? And are we going to survive as a church? Uh, we put so much stock into Easter. We put so much stock into the circumstance, the pomp. We put so much stock into the way we're dressing. Uh, for those of you who did dress up today, you win the day, and we will give you a virtual sticker, I think, maybe. Um, I'm wearing, like, the same shirt I've been wearing every week because I don't have any other clothes with me right now. Um, but, yeah, it, we do so much for Easter. We promo it. We, we, we get, like, a bunch of, like, decoration, celebration, and everything and what I wouldn't give to go back to a construction site in front of the entrance and a broken guitar. I miss it. I miss it right now. I miss being with community right now. I miss being with all of you. I miss not seeing you. I miss big choirs live, although you've got to wait for this choir that you're going to see after me. You have to. But anyway, I miss it all, right? And so I think about Resurrection Sunday. Think about what Resurrection Sunday means when you have to take it all away and we're not together and we're by ourselves and we're, we're facing some trauma and there's a little bit of anxiety about what's going to happen next. I think about it. And to be honest with you, if I'm being really honest, the resurrection, it doesn't do a whole lot for me right now. It doesn't feel like good news right now. It feels like something else. It feels uh, you know, the resurrection doesn't speak to us who are, you know, lonely. To us who are by ourselves quarantined. I don't know if the resurrection speaks to me. I mean, I'm lonely too, and sure, I'm with my family and I'm with my kids who are okay, I guess. I love you too. But it doesn't speak to the anxiety and trauma I feel while I'm lonely during this time. And it's, 
it doesn't speak to some of the pain that I think we're facing. I don't know if it speaks to that the way that I want it to speak right now when I'm feeling very much alone. I think there's a reason for that. You know, I think the reason for that is that we have made the resurrection very much an individualistic endeavor. We made it about us personally instead of us communally. Now, I think there's good reason for that. Uh, in uh, the time, six centuries, in fact, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, six centuries after, no one was allowed to paint or draw or do anything uh, to depict the resurrection. It's kind of cool. People were like, no, it's too wonderful. It was too beautiful. I couldn't do it. Um, and then after that, like, pictures of the resurrection started popping up in Western art. And it was largely Jesus by himself. Sure, there'd be, like, an angel there to be like, oh, look, Jesus is with the angels. Or, like, there'd be a sleeping person there, and that sleeping person would be like, this guy doesn't get it. But, like, overall, it was this largely individual thing. There's Jesus by himself being resurrected. And so what the Western church did, and when I say the Western church, I'm talking about Western Europe and I'm talking about America. The church decided that resurrection was largely, largely an individualistic endeavor as well. We focused on self and how does the resurrection affect me? And we sing songs about how it affects us. And in general, and I've preached on this before, the theology around Resurrection Sunday goes something like this. I am bad. In fact, I'm a terrible sinner. And so because I'm a terrible sinner, there's a God who can't stand me. And because God can't stand me, Jesus needs to die. And Jesus needs to die for my sins so that I can be redeemed. Because if I'm not redeemed, I'm in big trouble. I may go to hell. And so what happens is Jesus dies. And then Jesus is resurrected. And yay, that means that I'm forgiven. It means that there is no sin in my life anymore. It means that I am okay. And it means that God likes me again. And I will now go to heaven. And so we sing songs about, about how the death and resurrection are the thing that makes us as individuals free from hell and ready for heaven. Now, that's a nice thought. That's a good thought. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when I'm thinking about only me at a time where I am quarantined and alone and just with me, it doesn't necessarily have the same effect. In fact, it does a couple of different things that I, I think are problematic. First off, I carry the weight of my goodness, and I carry the weight of my badness, so to speak. Right? I carry the weight of both. Richard Rohr, who you know is one of my theological heroes, he says this. He says, the lone individual is, is far too small and insecure to carry the weight of glory or the burden of sin on our own. That's the first issue with making this resurrection a largely individualistic thing. All of a sudden, we're carrying both of these on our own. I would dare say it makes us narcissistic. And then in this time, an individualistic resurrection, it absolves us from any real responsibility. So when we see things going on in our world, when we see the fact that people don't have access to health care, when we see the fact that right now that there are, are vulnerable people who are being hurt more so than others, when we see that there are people of color who are dying at way greater rates than the majority. When we see that happen, what an individualistic resurrection does to us is it goes, well, that's their problem, not mine. You see, I'm saved now. You see, I, I no longer have sin in my life, so I'm going to go to heaven. And, and really, what we need to do is we need to fix this sin problem that we have. It's not necessarily a social problem. It's a sin problem. It absolves us of responsibility. That's what it does. The individual resurrection 
is way more concerned with loyalty and obedience to an idea than it is the universal love and care for all humanity. The individual resurrection says, you know what? This isn't about the life of Jesus. It's not about what Jesus came to do. It's not about what the followers of Jesus did after. What this is really about is this transaction. It's the transaction of death and resurrection. And now I'm good and we wash our hands of all of the rest. We reflect the Western art. We reflect the individual idea of resurrection. And this is exactly what, what Paul's talking about when, when he talks to the Corinthians in uh, the passage I read up front. I'll read it again for us. He says this. He says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, and not even Christ has been raised, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. This has always been a proof text for us, right? Hey, if there was no resurrection, then none of this matters. Again, that feels a little problematic. And by the way, I say this a lot. If you're asking if the resurrection really happened, the truth is we are never going to know. I mean, never. So maybe that's the wrong question to ask. But it is the question that the Corinthians are asking, right? For the Corinthians, you have to understand who they are. In early church history, they're snobs. They're like the coastal elite, like the Californians and the New Yorkers. So if you're from one of those places, we're in good company. Um, yeah, and so they're sitting there and they're going, well, did the resurrection really happen? Because if it didn't really happen, like how do I live out Christianity? And then others are going, well, the resurrection happened, but what does that have to do with me? Like it doesn't really matter. And then others are going, well, maybe the resurrection happened. Does that mean I'm going to be resurrected? You see, it's all about the individual still. And Paul comes along. And what Paul's basically doing is Paul's basically saying, hey, listen, listen, the resurrection happened. I was a witness to it. And so was Peter. And so were a bunch of other people. But you're missing the point. And if I were to translate this passage a little differently, um, Paul says this. He says, if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? I might translate it this way. This maybe gets to what Paul is saying a little bit more. Paul is basically saying, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how come some of you can't see the fact that the resurrection and new life is happening all around you all of the time? What Paul is basically saying, he's saying, why do you continue to focus on self in regards to resurrection? Pick up your head, look around, and see that there is new life all over your church. There is new life all over your community. There is new life happening all around you, and you're so focused on self that you can't see it. And this, this gets at the resurrection that I love. This gets at the resurrection that I love. This is a resurrection that says, hey, wait a second. Yeah, it's good. I do have new life in me, and I don't want to discount that. But this is a resurrection that says, look around you. There is new life and resurrection happening everywhere. All right. I'm going to geek out a little bit again. I'm going to become a science nerd. I feel like I've been a science nerd a lot. Um, and uh, I'm going to keep doing it. And I'm going to talk about atoms. I, I love atoms. And so, and so fun facts about atoms. If you put all the atoms in our body and you took away the space in our body and it was just atoms, we would fit into a sugar cube. Isn't that fascinating? Nothing to do with Easter whatsoever. Um, also, like every seven years, our bodies, we, we completely change. We're a new body every seven years by the shifting of all of our atoms. So you're yourself, but you're not really yourself. Another thing that has nothing to do with you. But really fun fact. But here's the thing that I do want to get at, right? Here's the thing. 
we are constantly sharing atoms with one another. Even right now, when you're in the midst of your quarantine and you're at your house, there are atoms that are moving between us. They're moving between us and whatever is out in the world. It is constantly happening. There is a back and forth. So whenever you say like, you know, I feel a connection with somebody, that connection is physical as well as it is this mental or social thing. This connection matters, right? It's really happening. And not only is it happening right now, this is the fascinating part. It's happening with people and with things that were around a couple thousand years ago. In fact, the scientist Ethan Siegel says this. He says, the atoms are so numerous that if we calculate the atoms for the air in each of our lungs right now, we'd find approximately one atom in everyone's lungs at any moment was in Caesar or Lenin or George Washington or Alexander de Masses or Jesus' lungs as they inhaled and exhaled their breath. So not only are we connected now, we're connected to what happened in the past, and we are connected fully to what's going on in our future. So when people say, like, we take, out, we take on the trauma of our ancestors, that's true. We do take on the trauma of our ancestors. We're inhabiting parts of them in that trauma, right? When we say that we've left a piece of ourselves in a place, that is true. We legitimately have left a piece of ourselves in a place. And 2,000 years from now, 2,000 years from now, there are going to be people out there and they're going to be breathing in the same atoms that we breathe, which means they're going to be experiencing what we experience, which means what are we doing to bring new life, to bring this resurrection now? What are we doing? Because it's done, not only has an effect on us now, it has an effect on all of us in the future. That to me feels exciting. That feels communal. That feels like you're a part of a bigger picture. And what is the bigger picture we're a part of? We are a part of the divine and cosmic sweep of grace and mercy. And there is nothing we can do to avoid the divine and cosmic sweep of grace and mercy anymore than we can avoid sharing atoms with one another. The truth of the matter is this resurrection is not individual. The truth of the matter is we are in this resurrection together. One of the beautiful things about uh, art, I mentioned that Western art, uh, when Jesus was resurrected, Jesus was largely in the, like by himself, right? And then with Eastern art, it's amazing. Eastern Orthodox art, every depiction of Jesus resurrected has Jesus resurrected in community. There are pictures of people everywhere and people shaking hands and people being saved from like torture and people like coming down from heaven and they're all over the place. And what it shows us is what we've kind of known in our bodies all along. And that is this resurrection is communal. Look around. How do we get to live out this resurrection for one another instead of making it individualistic? Is this resurrection going to be about loyalty and obedience and making sure that we're good and no longer sinners? Or is it going to be about bringing new life to everybody? And here's the beauty of it. We have this really unique opportunity right now. Right now, life has stopped. Right now, the things in this world that do not work are being exposed for what they are. Right now, we get the ability to bring new life to places that we have not been able to bring new life to before. And why are we doing it? We're doing it because we are all connected. And so the resurrection that I want to live out, the resurrection that we live out today, that resurrection says this. This resurrection says, I want, I want a resurrection and I want new life for everybody on the front lines. I want a resurrection for our doctors 
and for our nurses and for our first responders and for anybody that is fighting this disease. How do we bring new life to them? That's the resurrection that I want. Why? Because I am connected to them, just like you are connected to them. You know what I want? I want resurrection for anyone who doesn't have access to health care. I want a resurrection that says we don't stand for anybody in this country or in this world, for that matter, not having access to basic needs. We get to change that. We get to bring resurrection to those people. That's the kind of resurrection I want. And I want it because I'm connected to each one of those people, and so are you. Or a resurrection that says that our, our minimum wage employees and our delivery people and, and those that are working in factories that are still processing our foods right now, I want a resurrection where those people are as esteemed and loved and brought into equity as our billionaires and our actors and everyone else. That's the resurrection I want. And I want it because we are all connected. I'm connected to those people and so are you. I want a resurrection that looks at those who have been marginalized. You know, there has been terrible and tragic deaths in the trans community in the past couple of years. And I want a resurrection that looks at that trans community and says, you do not need to live in fear. We are bringing you new life because as a community, we're all working together to make sure you are safe. And I want that resurrection for our whole nation, not just for me. And I want it because I am connected to them the same way you are connected to them. That is the kind of resurrection that I want. And so today, when we're alone, when we're feeling quarantined, when we're anxious, and when we're traumatized, when we're worried, know this. Physically, we're more connected than ever. Socially, we're more connected than ever. And just like Paul told the Corinthians to look up and to look around and to see new life and to enact that new life and to bring that new life, that's what we get to do today. We get, we get to do the same exact thing. So my message for us today is to look up. Look up and find that person who is in need right now. You know, this past week, we were able to literally deliver hundreds of masks to those in need. That's bringing in the resurrection. Is there something like that that we can do? This week, we were able to give money away once again to those in need. Look up. That's us bringing the communal resurrection. We are all connected. This week, maybe you have the opportunity to, to check in on somebody who might be alone and afraid. Maybe you have the opportunity to, to talk to your uh, local government officials about, about enacting something that will help others in the midst of the pandemic. Do that. Look up and bring about new resurrection today. Listen, maybe we don't need a building. Maybe we don't need the backhoe blocking the entrance, and maybe we don't need the broken guitar. Maybe the opportunity to remember that this resurrection is us ushering in the new kingdom of God. And Jesus shows us exactly what that looks like. So how will you bring that new life today? And who will you bring it for? What MTA employee will you bring it for? What family member will you bring it for? What stranger will you bring that for? Because you know that ultimately this resurrection is about the cosmic, divine beauty, grace, love, and inclusivity that we cannot help but give out. Same way that we cannot help the fact that we're giving out to each other right now. So hear that good news today and act out the communal resurrection. For God so loved the world, the whole world, not just us, the whole world, that God, that God gave God's only son, not just to us, but to all of us. And whosoever believes doesn't die from injustice or from COVID-19 or from bullying 
or from being too poor to, too poor to defeat the virus or anything else. That all of us, not just some of us, all of us have eternal life here in this kingdom of God. Amen. We pray with you. God, we are so thankful for the new life that you've given us. Yeah, we're thankful that you defeated sin, and that matters. But God, we are so much more thankful that right now you are calling us to look around at each other communally, showing us that we're all connected. And in this time where we feel so alone, help us to create that connection where it's so sorely needed. We pray all these things in your great name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.